Welcome to Faith, Reason, and Geekdom. I'm Roger. My brothers and sisters in Christ join us every Thursday as we work out these three perspectives in our everyday lives. Hello and welcome to our podcast on mysticism and hallucinogens. John Murphy here to join in us today. And in this episode, we're going to explore the connections between the two topics and examine the thoughts of the mystics on the use of hallucinogens, mushrooms, ayahuasca, some examples and all the other ones as a means of achieving spiritual experiences. We were also going to discuss the history of mysticism, the nature of the mystic's experience, and the potential risk and benefits of using these hallucinogens in pursuit of spiritual growth. Now, mysticism is a spiritual tradition that emphasizes the pursuit of direct and personal experience with our Lord God. Mystics in this tradition seek to go beyond the outer forms of religion and to encounter God through the mystical experience like visions, like revelations, and a deeper sense of union with the divine. Of course, these Christian mysticisms, for example, have emphasized the importance, very important, of cultivating and sustaining with discipline relationship with God through prayer, meditation, and self-discipline. And also has warned against making subjective experiences induced by substances for genuine encounters with the divine. Now, of course, you know, maybe if your parents are baby boomers are in the 60s, maybe they, I don't know if they, you know, maybe hallucinogens, you know, again, ayahuasca, mushrooms, there's all these acid LSD, there's so many different ones, but these, these, these are substance, right? They're dangerous. They're very much illegal, most of them, if not all of them, and affect perception, thought, and emotions. The substance can include natural plants like we talked about such as mushrooms that's the main one everyone knows about as well as synthetic ones that are very dangerous uh substance like lsd mdma uh these hallucinogens have been used for thousands of years long time and in various cultures they also use these in religious ceremonies but today here to help me with to dive deep into all of these very uh tricky waters is my good friend he's been on the show what four times four or five times he, he might lead i'm and it's you or jason who's been on the most but once again my good buddy my brother in christ john murphy would you go well uh, thanks for having me on again there brother and uh it's always a pleasure talking about these uh interesting subjects and hearing what new things we're discussing and uh it's usually something that excites me or interests me and uh you know, I'm just a uh, seeker, uh, just somebody who tries to study and uh, connect everything and, and try to find meaning in all of it. And, uh, you know, I do that by way of grace, by the Holy Spirit, uh, humbly, humbly so. But, uh, you know, with regard to today's topics, mysticism is something that has certainly interested me, especially in recent years. Um you know, and uh, John of the Cross in particular, and uh, some of his writings, and and then uh, you know, John of the Cross is one of those people that that could see uh, the benefits and the uh, parallels of the mystical experience in both Catholicism and Buddhism in particular, and 
you know, there's other Catholics and Christians that have uh, drawn comparisons as well. That's because the mystical experience seems to be a universal experience across all the religions. Yeah, it does. So it's good. It's always good to, to talk about that subject. And then with regard to the psychedelics, which has in a way come become the new age way of finding spiritual experience, you know, and, uh, you know, I can speak to it anecdotally because, you know, I've tried uh, various psychedelics before, so I can speak from experience yeah. as to what they are, what I think of it. This is very interesting. Uh, and I, I know, again, we're going to touch on this. Like, you guys don't want to go nowhere because you brought up our boy, John of the Cross, huge fan, <laughs> big fan of him. But uh, many of you guys probably love the St. John Murphy. I know you're a big fan of St. John, John of the Cross. So we're going to get into him. But also, you touched on something. I want to talk about this. The mysticism and psychedelics actually that's that's probably the title there you go right there that, that's the title of the show mm -hmm. mysticics and the psychedelics because i want to play a few little clips from this amazing interview from michael knowles and he talks to a christian who has taken psychedelics and i've had a lot of experience it's about a oh it's almost two hours of obviously we're not going to play the whole thing but you guys are going to want to stick around because i'm going to play a few clippets from this interview by Michael Knowles that just recently happened. And I think it's very amazing. And some of the stuff will shock you. It will downright shake you. So do not go anywhere. But let's play the first clip right now for you guys. When I started getting into DMT, where I was having encounters with light beings. What did you think the light beings were? With acid and mushrooms, you don't typically, at least I never had visuals. With the DMT, this was like full on, like you're seeing a whole world just crack open in front of you. What would they tell you? These three beings come in my room and another one came in and it was dragging my body. And they told me, if you don't stop doing heroin, this is you. And so uh, he was doing peyote and acid and stuff in the movie. And so at some point in high school, I had uh, a friend get have acid. And I did it and it wasn't like, I didn't, I didn't take enough, I don't think. Nothing really happened, but I felt kind of just different, but nothing really happened. And then uh, a few months later, and so the mushrooms, I was sitting in somebody's car and it was like, a, it was like weed all over again. It was just a whole new reality. I'm saying, you know, and I spent like three hours, you know, in the, back in the day, it was like the CD players had the little um, pictures on them mm -hmm. and like you could pop them in and out. And I was, for three hours, I was just sitting there staring at that. <laughs> You know, like that, like it just got me entrenched into this, like this new reality. And I'm like, I had this experience of just feeling like there was, uh, like the universe was alive. Like I felt connected to the things that were around me. I felt like I was connected to life. I mean, again, from Michael Noshel, it recently happened and it's a long interview, uh, but there's so many stuff, but I think that was a good introduction. Yes, from, I mean, from this Christian that took it, uh, Joshua um, Zadoff, he was showing the experiences that he had with that. And he said something interesting. He said that it he felt like he was more connected to life. And we talked about our boy, John of the Cross, St. John of the Cross. And if you guys, I cannot tell you enough how to investigate, read some of the writings. John of the Cross, 16th century Spanish Carmelite friar, a priest, again, known as the mystic. His contributions to like Christian mysticism, are immense he was a major figure even in the catholic reformation he was canonized as a saint by the catholic church he's officially canonized and again 
Uh, that's another subject, the Catholic Reformation. Not too many people remember that they actually had another one, and he was a big part of that. Now, John of the Cross believed that the ultimate goal of human life is to experience a union with God that goes beyond the intellectual understanding. He saw this as a process of spiritual purification, which he called, we all know it, the dark night of the soul. No, it's not a Batman movie. It's not that at all. Uh, this involved a detachment from the material possessions, a turning away from the worldly desires in order to focus on the spiritual. He also emphasized the importance of prayer in the mystical experience. He believed meditation, contemplation, and other forms of prayer. He could help individuals achieve deeper connection with our Lord. I mean, you, we talked about it. He wrote so much stuff, like the concept of the ladder of love is one of his most famous concepts. It describes various stages of the mystical journey towards union with God. And again, the most famous he's known for literary works is The Dark Knight of the Soul, The Ascent of Mark Carmel. Also, these works are amazing. He describes his own experiences and gives guidance, gives encouragement to those who seek a deeper spiritual life. Now, St. John of the Cross, um, what more could you say about him? I mean, just alone, the can we touch on that real quick? You know, um, The Dark Knight of the Soul, that it's like this period of spiritual darkness, you know, an emptiness that some individuals mm -hmm. may may experience that try to get a deeper connection with God. And I feel like sometimes people might go through that. They feel like, okay, I'm abandoned. They might feel confused. They might fall into despair. But John of the Cross says that, hey, this is necessary for a stage in the mystic's journey. It allows individuals, we it, it could purify ourselves of attachments mm -hmm. to worldly desires and, and have a deeper trust in God. Do you think that's may, may contribute to some people trying, like we said in a video clip, like you guys heard, maybe somebody mm -hmm. felt like they're closer. Maybe they felt abandoned. They felt lost. And maybe they tried some uh, psychedelics to get that kind of um, get over the, the, the dark night of the soul. What do you think, John? Well, uh, I actually watched something about this and that touched on this subject really well the other day called Jesus Res Revolution. Jesus Revolution. It's got Jonathan oh, Ruby yeah. in it. I heard it's good. Really good film. Uh, and it lets you, they, they had a really good bead on some of the issues in Western mm -hmm. Christianity, particularly in the United States and the divide between older traditional style people and younger, more free spirited people. The thing is, is that we're all searching for God, you know, and this is, you know, like what Augustine talked about with, you know, there's just longing and, you know, our hearts are restless until we rest in you, God. So we're just born this way. It's probably rooted in the fall of man where we've got this broken relationship with God and we're seeking something. We don't not quite know what it is. It's God. It's our relationship with God again. We all have this innate desire to innate desire to, to draw closer to God, you know, whether we realize that's what we're doing or not. And we're, we're seeking that we're seeking fulfillment. We're seeking love. We're seeking ways to enhance our experience and to understand each other and the world around us more fully. And, uh, you know, psychedelics does have a way of sort of tugging on those heartstrings where it opens somebody up to new ideas or new thoughts that they didn't yet experience and, it, and they feel love in a way that maybe perhaps they've never felt it before. 
And because it's so profound, they do tend to mix it up with uh, the spiritual experience. Now, luckily for me, like I was raised by very devout Catholic parents. And so my faith was relatively well formed by the time I tried psychedelics. And so I can't say that it was a religious experience for me because the whole time that I was doing it, I was sort of somewhat cognizant of the fact that it was probably wrong. Uh, and in many ways it did open me up, but in a way, in ways that, uh, there's something about it where it, it, it acts on the brain and it breaks down these coping mechanisms and barriers that are, that we place up in our consciousness and it strips those away and it forces you to reconcile with certain thoughts that you might be blocking out, which can be somewhat painful. Uh, and this is why some people end up having reversals after a psychedelic experience. The thing to to, to note is, is that it's, it's uh, not necessarily safe to say that it's God or that it's a spiritual experience because it very much is a material thing. It's a, you know, a lot, a lot of times it's a plant or some naturally occurring thing. And uh, you know, we take it and we have this physical experience because of what the chemicals are doing to the brain. And sometimes we can maybe mistake that for being a spiritual experience. There are studies out there, and it was back in the 80s, I think, when the government kind of started cracking down on all kinds of different psychedelics, uh, really. And, you know, medical research and things of that nature kind of went out the window, and we stopped doing that. Uh, and, you know, it's been shown that psilocybin, that's that's mushrooms, uh, can be effective in therapy. And that's because of the, that phenomenon I was explaining where it breaks down these barriers and people feel emotions that they've never felt before. You know, it's like portions of their brain that aren't normally active become active. Uh, in a controlled environment, this can be therapeutic. In an environment that's not controlled, it can be very dangerous. Yeah, now know? I was going to say that is a big resurgence now. I think even Dr. Jordan Peterson talked about the psychedelics and therapy and having a safe space. Can, did you have a safe place that you felt like when you first tried these psychedelics or were you not? It was kind of just like a recreational or friends or um, let's, I guess it's safe to say. Totally, totally recreational. Uh, was it safe? I mean, somewhat you know as uh, safe as you know high school age kids could be you know was everyone doing it in, in that particular instant when the first time you tried it was it like a, a party element or everyone was like hey guys let's all try this or it was just a couple of kind of close friends and okay and it was just three of us a group of three of my close friends and uh you know i had just gotten back from summer camp or something like that what was the wildest they, experience that you guys had was it you was it somebody else that oh my goodness i saw this i saw mickey mouse you know dressed in a, a scuba diving uniform or something or i tried a number of different psychedelics over the years and i never experienced wild hallucinations like really that. it didn't it didn't react to me that way for me it was more fractals and colors and you know uh, enhanced senses yeah enhanced sensory okay. yeah nothing scary nothing like that figures like said no, the only okay. the only thing that was scary was my own mind was my mm -hmm. own thoughts, you okay. know, were all of the things that I was neglecting, all of the things that all of my shortcomings, uh, I became very self-conscious, very mm. self-conscious in, in, in many ways is probably worse than good. Right. Yeah. That's interesting because like I said, like 
John of the Cross, he teach, he preaches like, hey, guys, you know, we got to we got to let go of attachments, become one with God. And and one of the quote he has is to come to what you do not know. You must go by the way in which you know nothing. Detachment. Mm-hmm. It's a big thing. You know, he cultivates this deep all about prayer. I like one of the things he talks about his concept of the ladder of love. It's a metaphorical ladder, you know, describing various stages of the mystical journey from beginning stages, perdition, detachment, the ultimate goal, obviously to be with God. But he also believed by, if you practice this ladder with self-discipline and cultivate the spirit of humility, he's big on that. He's mm-hmm. always talking about humility. He's always talking about focus and love of God. Um, I, he's a great spiritual teacher. But when it comes to hallucinogens, now, of course, you know, we, we can't guarantee, like, what would he, what would John of the Cross say? We, we don't know. But I, I think we can make educated guess that, of course, those weren't widely used during his lifetime, like in medical fields and nothing like that. We do have his writings. We do have teachings of the mystics. There is... Um, there has been this history of the psychedelics, so we can make educated guess about what would he say about these these substance and the pursuits of the spiritual. And I think he would say that John of the Cross was deeply, deeply spiritual and believed in the ultimate mm-hmm. goal. And I think he believed that the union can only be achieved or primarily be achieved through the process of spiritual purification, deepening of one's mm-hmm. relationship through prayer, compl- contemplation. Mm-hmm. And so his emphasis is on the spiritual practices, the path. Right. So I would say that John of the Cross probably wouldn't, he wouldn't view the uh, the psychedelics as uh, desirable means of achieving the mystical experience. He would probably yeah. say, be wary, be careful of these, these substance, given their potential to, like you said, alter one's perception of reality, the potential sure. to clouds one judgment, and it can you impair know, your, like, yeah. That can be good, but like, it can also be bad. Like in, in, you know, uh, the, the mystical experience doesn't require substance, you know, yeah. real union with God actually is going to be impeded if we're yeah. using substances if yeah i don't think he would say it's, drugs. It, yeah he wouldn't say that it would be a helpful mm-hmm. tool for that he would he would preach humility discipline um contemplation prayer yeah definitely um well what about some of the other um mystics in, in the church you know and, and even in christianity uh what do you think they what do you think their thoughts on on psychedelics and hallucinogens in general the the idea of viewing it as some sort of spiritual uh catalyst is a, a false you know that's that's not what it is it can put, potentially open some somebody up to their own inner problems or maybe let them see the world around them slightly different but that's merely because god can use anything to communicate his goodness or his greatness and if somebody has it, he can communicate uh, his his feelings and what and, and and his love through any kind of mechanism. So perhaps on occasions it happens, but uh, you know more times than not, if it's being used recreationally, that uh, is only going to result in uh, probably emptiness. I would say yeah. psychedelics will eventually leave a person feeling empty. It's and a short burst of spiritual awaken, a spiritual awareness, but it goes away because the substance of that isn't really anything. It's material. But the substance of union with God or the real true mystical experience is like the ultimate. That is pure love. 
And, and that's real essence. That's the only true thing that exists. You know, the experiences that I have because of the things that my brain is doing and or isn't doing is a, a, a material experience and it's illusion. You know, it's not real love necessarily. Like I said, God can use anything to communicate his love and his wisdom. Uh, and perhaps that might happen on occasion. Uh, but it's when we run with that and we say, I figured this out. I took this and I used this to uplift myself. And that's not the case. If we grow spiritually in wisdom or in love, that's God lifting us up. And there's never a point in time we, where we, by our own power, can elevate ourselves uh, spiritually or via wisdom or love. We must do it by the grace of God. And so psychedelics in that regard is dangerous because it gives people the impression that they can, by their own power, uh, grow themselves somehow and become uh, higher level thinkers or beings. Uh, yeah. That's really where I see it as as a danger, you know? Yeah. Let's get into one of the very cautionary tales of what can happen. Like you saw, you could open yourself up. So let, let's take mm -hmm. a look at this interview from the Michael Knowles interview. The, the drug is incense? It started off, it was like an incense. <laughs> and, and you'd smoke and it would, it would resemble weed. Yeah. You know? But I never liked it because it, it just didn't feel right. You know, yeah. it was like it, something about it wasn't right. And um, I would see these guys bug out on it. Like they would be slumped over, be acting crazy. And I was like, there is no way that this does that. There's no way this does that. And so they told me, they said, just take one hit. It's like this stuff's strong. And I said, no, I, I hit it like three times. And next thing I know, as soon as I like pass it to someone, I at this point I've overdosed on heroin like four or five times. <laughs> so I I I know what it feels like to like, you know, there, there's a split second of just your body registering whatever you just did was too much for us. And so next thing I know is I just hear them saying, "Oh, he's going out," and I just feel myself falling to the ground and I start to crawl. And then next thing I know, I'm in a in a a dream world, right? And in this dream world, I'm walking down. A, a path. There's demons on my left and demons on my right. And they're, they're basically laughing at me. They're like, they're different sizes. They, they have these little robes. They have these big grins. And I'm, but I'm like not really paying attention to them because I'm following an, another one that had its back to me. And so we're walking down this hall and we get to this big door. And so right before we get to the door, it says, one more step, you're almost there. And it turned around and when it looked at me, it was an ugly demon. And I said, hell no. And I turned around. And when I turned around, I woke up in a pool of sweat. And so I was that one. That was like another hook where just like, what the heck was that? That was not normal. What did they look like? They looked like little like gremlins, like almost like the, uh, the you know, from Lord of the Rings, the little guy that, yeah, that yeah. chases the ring, I think. I don't, I don't even think I ever watched that movie for real, but <laughs> I know the little guy. The little yeah, you met the real thing. So. Yeah, they, they look kind of like that. The ones I've seen, they're just ugly. They're, they're like, they're deformed, like almost like little... Like almost like you see in horror movies, like that's what they looked like, and and they're, they're, some of them be like three feet tall, some of them be like six feet tall, you know, like they were different sizes, and they're just there's ugly, but they all had these big smiles. It's like these like <laughs> like these is mocking. They're like these mocking spirits or something, and and, and so that happened, and uh, a week after that, I go to see my my grandma. I come back and I'm sleeping with my uncle, and I'm about to fall asleep. Start, I'm watching American Pickers. I'm halfway asleep, so I'm awake. And I'll never forget the, their voices change into demonic voices. 
Hmm. So their voices turn into to demon voices, and they start saying talking about me. And I said, I don't know if uh, like have you ever heard of, like sleep paralysis? Yeah, I had it uh, once certainly and maybe twice. Yeah, and it's it's very scary. Right. Because it sounds because it sounds like you hear demons. Yeah, and maybe and, you do. And you lose control of your body. Like, yeah, you can't move, so you're yeah. just there hearing. I forget what I just heard like a weird demon voice, and I was tot- I was awake, but I couldn't move my body. I thought. The hell, you know, what is this? And yeah. then, you know, 30 seconds later, it was, it was over. I could move again. When that first started happening, because I had it a lot. It first started happening when I started doing Buddhism. The first time I started having sleep paralysis was when I started getting deep into Buddhism. I started having it all the time. But anyways, that starts happening. So I'm in sleep paralysis. It feels like something's getting in my body. Like, I'm like this. It's like something's trying to get in my body. And the TV says, his name is Josh. He's from Virginia. We need to destroy him. They're talking about me. I'm hearing it, and I'm feeling something in my body. Next thing I know, I'm, like, finding myself on the floor. And I guess I was, like, screaming, crying or something, my dad said. Like, I woke up the whole house. Something interesting that, in, again, in the interview, the full interview, the of course, the links will be in the show descriptions. But he talks about this, about Buddhism, uh, many other times in the interview and he talks about how when you got into buddhism because it's mainly about yourself right like you rely on yourself you're almost like god kind of i don't, I don't want to misrepresent it but it's something similar to that you're you're almost your your own maker all this stuff you manifest stuff and he talks about and i've heard other stories whenever people get into this not all, I'm, I'm of course you know not every single person i know people that are like yeah, i did this buddhism and you know nothing else happened but it, it seems like when they get into that they do encounter stuff like this guy just described and then he talked about seeing these these demon these creatures uh these are very scary things you know and in mysticism um okay and they emphasize the pursuit of direct personal experiences the tradition goes beyond the outer forms of religion encounters with god you know they talk about visions they talk about revelations so mm-hmm. when it comes to these psychedelics uh Christian mysticism has historically always been cautious and even skeptical about the use of achieving uh, spiritual experiences. Um, Now, some of them, like, you Mm -hmm. know, what what shamanism, all that stuff, incorporates these uh, hallucinogens, psychedelics. Mm -hmm. But as far as Christian mysticism, uh, it really uh, emphasizes the spiritual discipline. So, you know, I would tell anybody, like, if you've been having night mirrors, bad dreams, sleep paralysis, or if you've taken hallucinogens and you've seen things, like, just stop right there. Like, don't assume that what you're witnessing is the the demon world or, or actual demons or anything like that. Like, the mind and the mind is very powerful tool, and it stores literally everything that it sees. Everything that your eyes see gets stored away in your brain. And so when you're taking psychoactive drugs, the brain is firing off on all different kinds of cylinders. It's lit up all over the place. Different sections of the brain are connecting to each other that don't normally connect. So it's very likely that what he's experiencing is just something that his brain is producing by way of the chemicals. So I would not assume that it's it's demons. You know, could it be? Sure. You know, uh, you know, but before I started really entertaining that thought process, I'm going to stop short of that and be like, uh, you know, 
it's almost like I don't want to give them credit, you know, like maybe it's them, but do they even have that kind of power? Like, really? I do believe them. You know this. And I do believe that they do have some ability to affect, you know, our thought processes. But that's about the extent of what I know. Can they do more than that? Possibly. You know, I know that saints and mystics were at times uh, maybe tried to be fooled by demons or the devil directly, uh, you know, but they weren't really ever in a, in a, a situation where they were using hallucinogens. However, when you practice spiritual discipline and you're fasting and you're not sleeping a lot and you're in deep states of meditation all the time, the mind will start playing tricks as well. And we become a little bit more looser, more lucid, I guess, and more open and, and more receptive. It's almost as if we become more spiritually uh, sensitive when we're in a weakened state, you know, uh, physically or mentally. And that's why people often have their spiritual experience or at their low points. They've been put through a lot physically or mentally and they're stressed out or there's a low point. And it's almost like that's when, you know, I'm going to refer to Eastern philosophy, the Tao, where it says, if you want to become full, make yourself empty first, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, this is sort of the... This is a uh, validation of the, the the act of fasting. You know, fasting is more than just refraining from eating food, but uh, it's it's a way of, uh, you know, showing reverence towards God in one way. Then in a way, too, it's also spiritual asceticism. And it's often uh, associated with mysticism because uh, I think that there's a spiritual and a physical element to it, you know. Because Definitely. in that process, we're becoming empty physically and mentally because we're taking control of our, the faculties of our body so that we're not being ruled by the flesh. Yeah. We're in control of the flesh. You know, our desires and our, our desire to eat isn't the thing that's driving us, right? And then this is uh, this is a way that we can kind of not commune with God, God, because God sort of communes with us, but we can sort of lay the groundwork or perhaps prime ourselves for that, you know. And, and, and you know, Christian Christian mystics have always viewed spiritual experiences as gifts from God, right? Rather than mm-hmm. like something that could be actively sought or induced through um, some other means, you know, psychedelics and stuff like right. that. They so fasting yeah. isn't going to reward you, yeah. you know, and meditation isn't going to necessarily make you know guarantee that you're going to have a, a mystical experience, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he can give it to somebody that never fasts, you know, people that don't practice any spiritual disciplines often have spiritual, uh, you know, experiences or mystical experiences, and that's because, like you said, God gives that grace freely, you know, when somebody needs it the most. Yeah. Let me go ahead and play another clip from this interview. I said, I kind of feel like doing it. And, and, you know, I said, worst case scenario, I find out it's not, it's not good. And, you know, you know, I I don't do it anymore. And so one night I go to my friend's house and anyways, he, he dumps out his backpack of, of chocolate mushrooms all over the, right over the bed, right in front of me. And he basically was like, here, you know what I mean? Here, try one. You know what I mean? And now the thoughts of what was I was thinking the last few months pop up. And so I said, you know what, Josh? I said, I'm tired of the internally. I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of the, being fear with this. 
Yeah, that was. I think that's probably what it was. It was like, you know what? If you don't do it tonight, it's just gonna bother you. So yeah. So I did it, and I I I ate the. It was a you know eighth of mushrooms, and just for context, like that was the normal dose that I would take. That was like a normal like go to dose. Um, it's definitely on the higher end as far as like when you're looking at microdosing and stuff. It's it's a lot lower than that. Um, but I had taken much larger doses too. I had taken you know double double of everything. That. Yeah, yeah, and so, so to me, it was like this is my, kind of mild, right? That's how I'm thinking. Um, and so I take it, and it starts off good. The first 20 minutes, I'm just getting in my my vibe, and you know, and, and just listening to the music, and it's all good vibes and good thoughts, and I'm happy, and it's gonna be good. And then, and then at one point, my friend says, "Hey, uh, my these guys want to go to the bar. Do you want to come?" I said, "No." I said, "What do you? I just what I just ate. I don't want to go to the bar." And so he said, "Well, I'm gonna go. You can stay here if you want. That's fine. Is that cool?" I said, all right, I guess I'm stuck here now, you know, kind of thing. And, and um, so he leaves. And, and, and this stuff, it takes like probably 30 minutes to kick in. So in the meantime, you start kind of feeling your stomach will start to turn. There's like this, this pre-almost anxiety kind of thing. Like hmm. you feel it kind of starting to creep up on you. And so I already had to feel that. So I said, oh, we're about to go into this. And so my friend, he walks out the door. The second he walked out the door, it was like that feeling of sleep paralysis, the feeling of like demons and evil walks in the room. It was like this transfer. Like he left and it was the, the first thing I noticed and evil just walks in. Mind you, I have had demonic encounters as a peasant. Yeah, so I mean again, that's pretty the experience. I mean, it's a really long interview, but the experience he talks mm-hmm. about, uh I mean it's very harrowing. The things, the, the the presence again. He, he talks about going in other worlds, and there's many other instances that he, he talks about. And and but like the connection between demons and uh, psychedelics and the mystic traditions. That's why in history, uh, mysticism has always consciously they always been concerned with uh, spiritual discernment, the ability to know mm-hmm. what is a genuine experience, what is deception, mm-hmm. what is harmful. Uh, they're about contents, right? Because there is a question between demons and psychedelics. And in the traditional way, the Christian mystics uh, see demons, they're going to deceive, they're going to harm, right? We all agree with that. Uh, These agents Mm -hmm. of spiritual darkness want to disrupt our purpose, our union, our pursuit with God uh, by any means necessary to knock us off the path of spiritual growth. And psychedelics, you know, that could be a potential tool of dynamic, um, demonic, sorry, I keep dynamic, I I keep, sometimes I say dynamic and (laughs) dynamic, so dynamic uh, deception, (laughs) these mystics, they warn that the use of these um, could have you in altered states, altered consciousness, Mm -hmm. and like he alluded to in the interview, he says, open doors to deceptive spiritual experiences that may be demons, you know, like it's difficult to discern and we got to be careful. Uh, what about these visions, these vivid visions, these phenomena, these sensory, I think you talked about sensory experiences. And so the mystics in, in our tradition have noted that, yeah, these demons can exploit our, our vulnerability, our weaknesses, right? And the human psyche, uh, they could mm-hmm. use it to induce hallucinations, uh, mess with our experiences. I mean, they could prey on individuals. Potentially, you, yeah. You know, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know what all they can do, but I do know that they can uh, affect our thought processes. Yes. Right. Yeah. 
which you know is a product of the of the of the mind or it's a product of the soul really which is a product of god but it manifests through the brain you know and and uh you know perhaps that it has something to do with the fact that the brain becomes very active hyperactive on psychedelics and Mm. so it might give the tempters something more to work with perhaps if the brain is, is has more activity going on uh and you know can they manifest something in the in the material world some people seem to think so uh i don't see i haven't seen that personally i've never really experienced that uh though i have felt you know different presences here and there i've never seen anything and never really anything uh yeah. really terrifying like that Have what about what about uh, one people... thing to note yeah one thing to know about this guy you know, the in the previous segment he mentioned, I think he was talking about spice because he was talking yes. about an incense that you smoke. And yeah, this is you know, that is an extremely powerful drug. And yeah. a lot of people had crazy demonic experiences on that. And even that was the, what the guy used that chewed off somebody's face. Yeah, that, yeah, I remember that, that stuff was particularly bad. So his experience there, in my opinion, is just like the rest of them. There's something particularly bad about that drug. Uh, it might have even had some sort of demonic element to it. I don't know. It's it was chemicals, chemically produced. You know, terrible, terrible stuff. In your personal experience, have you ever had anyone come tell you that describe some um, altered mind that they felt like it, it may have been a, a malevolent spirit? Sure, I've had numerous people tell me that. Can you mm-hmm. tell us one of the stories of what happened? Well, one of them was just, was a guy that had uh, sleep paralysis as well. And he was taking a bunch of nootropics. Nootropics are like supplements that you can take to enhance the brain and activate certain, you know, uh, you know, H, you know, there's different, but they're called nootropics and they're just brain supplements that, you know, can in, help to uh, induce dreams and things like that. And he was taking a bunch of those and he was trying to have vivid dreams. Basically, he wanted to have vivid mm. dreams and a vivid dream is where you're basically alive and, or you're awake, awake in your yeah. dream and you're conscious of your being awake, but you're in a dream state. So uh, some people like pursue this recreationally, but it's dangerous. And he was experiencing sleep paralysis and he, he described like a demonic type figure kind of hovering over him. Oh man, he couldn't do anything. And I've heard a couple of other stories similar to that. That sounds like Michael Knowles had a, a similar experience. Uh, could it be demon demons? Sure, could is it? I don't know. You know, the, the, the fact that there's universal experiences that are similar makes me think, well, maybe there is some sort of connection there. Uh, yeah, it is so, interesting, right? That there's know, similar, like, it's important though for all of us. To, to remember that we shouldn't be afraid of that though like mm-hmm. even in those moments fear seems like a, a normal or like the right thing the right way to go but it's not because like the guy said you, you know uh you it's it's just really more about that relationship with god and like and god says you know fear nothing no one but me nothing but me and so uh demons play off of fear that's exactly what they want and, and that's another reason why psychedelics are dangerous because it's a weakened psychological and potentially spiritual state. It's what it is. It's a yeah. it's a weakened state. 
And in that weakened state, perhaps we do see the world differently and in a way that makes us more appreciative of it. But also in that weakened state, we could be attacked with negative thought processes yeah. or potentially even hallucinations to strike mm-hmm. fear into our hearts. Yep. And that fear will drive us away from God. Uh, and so, you know, it, again, like use use with caution uh, yeah. because, but but like, you know, and then the, the second clip, he said that he ate like an eighth of mushrooms again. Mm-hmm. Like he's not taking small amounts. He's, <laughs> he's going heavy. Like, yeah. you know, if you haven't. And, and so he's, he's having what I would describe as a typical experience for somebody. That wow. Really? That's scary large... then, man. That's, that's uh, if a you're real take a, If, if you're going to take large amounts, like, yeah. you know, you need to expect that it's, it might be rough. You don't want to be alone. Like that's bad too, because you're left with your own thoughts. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Imagine that. Like just being alone. I think that's why too, you know, in in traditional, the, the, the mystics have talked about how, you know, Hey, you know, this may be, this could be seen. These psychedelics could be seen as a shortcut to like mystical experiences that Mm -hmm. we may be after, but the individual uh, doesn't need to like skip over years of, patience and right. spiritual practice and discipline I think they won't they really get it they won't gain any wisdom from the psychedelic yeah. experience because wisdom comes from god right wisdom comes from god so uh you could get hurt too that you talked it. about yeah you can't force this like yeah. you, it, it's not for you yet like you can't you know and if and if if you do happen to see something that god doesn't want to reveal to you yet it's probably to your detriment yeah. Uh, and, and then it goes back to the scripture, which we hear often throughout scripture, which is fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom. Yep. So yep. it's like if you're out there taking hallucinogens or mind altering drugs to yep. seek wisdom, to seek truth, well, mm-hmm. you're not uh, going to receive it because you're obviously not fearing uh, the potential ramifications of that, you know, and, and that wisdom and enlightenment comes from God, comes from the Holy Spirit. You know, and you yeah. can't force God to give you something that's his and that's not yours. Uh, and that's kind of what the hippies and, and the people that were sort of pro psychedelics in the 60s got wrong. You know, that man could take control of his own destiny and bring himself up to enlightenment mm, yeah. with these psychedelic drugs. And, yeah. you know, it, it, it's very uh, easy to tell how that happened, you know, and uh you know, because the spiritual experience and is something that we all sort of innately seek. Fascinating topic. I mean, this is very interesting and scary stuff, good stuff, a lot of good information. But as we wrap up, like St. John of the Cross, uh, I think uh, focus on humility, right? Focus on the spiritual discipline. And the mystics of the church have always been skeptical about these uh, hallucinogens um, of achieving experience spiritually. The traditions, you know, shamanism uses a lot of those. There's many other traditions that use hallucinogens yeah. for their practices, but Christian mystics have emphasized other forms, like we talked about spiritual discipline and warned against uh, making subjective experiences king, making them dominate the encounters with the divine, putting emphasis on cultivating discipline with God through prayer, 
meditation, self-discipline. There are risks, right? There could be some benefits, but um, don't forget that while using these psychedelic drugs in pursuit of skipping over the spiritual practices and having the experience, it could be very, very risky, potentially harmful. Um, and of course, they're doing research now that may be some benefits in certain circumstances under the appropriate circumstances, doctors, all this stuff, mm -hmm. therapy. There's some studies. And again, we'll wait on those to see the impact of hallucinogens and the psychedelics in a controlled, supportive environment that mm -hmm. may or may not lead to positive change in mood or personality. Um and behavior but however again i would say again cautiously exercise to, to use these things uh practice um very much cautious as we know it could lead to yeah. negative if outcomes you're truly seeking yes. a relationship with god and with christ psychedelics is not the way to go yes like, it's yes. not the way That's yeah right. do as saint um, john of the cross would but man any last thing any last thing you wanted to say john murphy before we wrap up this very intriguing conversation that we just had that i hope you guys enjoy this by you know subscribing and sharing this with your friends uh you know like seek and you will find you know start with the gospel you know yeah for yeah the Jews, good advice. for the hebrews uh the torah was their way of the mystical experience by yeah. reading the torah and observing it and meditating on it day and night this is how this was their mechanism that god gave them to achieve communion with him and for Catholics, it's the Eucharist, it's prayer, yeah. it's meditation, you know. Good point, good point. Uh, and, and, you know, I also adoration. recommend... Yeah, adoration. I recommend, uh, you know, meditation. Uh, focus on your breathing, you know. Uh, this is something that a lot yeah, of saints remarks uh, as well. And this can help you sort of uh, clear things. And, you know, remember, like, God wants our, our, our relationship with us. And so uh, if you if you seek, you'll find, you know, mm. so uh, and you may think you can seek and find using the psychedelics. But, uh, you know, God offers it freely. You don't need that in order to, to achieve that communion. Yeah. Well said. Well said. All right, brother. Thank you, John Murphy. It's always good to chop it up with you and get into these topics. Uh, that is John Murphy. I'm Roger. Thank you for listening to Faith, Reason, and Geekdom. Good night, and God love you. <laughs>